Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Last week we talked about the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit. This week we want to continue our teaching on getting to know the Holy Spirit by um, looking at the divine works of the Holy Spirit. Now, we touched on these earlier in our teachings, but I'm adding a little bit more to that, and, and I want to delve a little bit more into the works of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so uh, without any uh, further delay, I am going to begin our devotional by reading from the psalm. And specifically, Psalm 33, verse 6. The 33rd number of the Psalms and the 6th verse. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33 and 6, you'll find these words. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath that is the spirit of his mouth. Father, we thank you tonight. As we come into your presence, God, we do so uh, because we know that you are able, Lord God, to make known your wisdom and your knowledge unto us. Make known to us those very things that we need, Lord God, to to, to our spirit man and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who you are. And Lord God, through it all, come to know what you have purposed us to do in this earth. As we minister, Father, I ask that you will move by your spirit in this place on tonight. Move through this lesson and in every heart, Lord God, that will join us tonight, either in person or by talk or by way of talk shoot. And Lord, let them who do not know what their purpose and call is be illuminated tonight after that purpose or call. And thank you, Lord God, that you're setting people free by the knowledge and explanation of your word. Thank you, Lord God, for help, and thank you for comfort. Thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, O God, for keeping our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And Holy Spirit, have your way now. We submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we talked last week again about the uh, attributes, and attributes are the qualities or characteristics of God, Uh, and we spoke more specifically about the uh, incommunicable, if you will, uh, characteristics of God. That means that these are characteristics that are, that are limited only to God, that they, man does not have. This man is not an eternal being in the sense that God is. Man is not omnipotent in that he is not all-powerful and can do whatever he wants, anytime he wants. 
uh, that is, even the create creation itself, the cause things to be. He is not omniscient, meaning man does not know everything. In fact, uh, notwithstanding the brilliance with which God, that God has created the mind of man, man is incapable of reaching back and pulling into himself all the knowledge and information that he has gained over the process of his life. Uh, only God knows everything. And the Bible tells us that God knows the very thoughts of our hearts. So we are not omniscient, and neither are we omnipresent. Only God is in the same place at the same time. And, of course, we talked about that in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, where David is talking to God, and he's just simply saying, he simply said to God, he said, listen, Though I walk in, let me see here, Psalm 139, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say surely, the darkness shall hide me, hide me, shall hide, shall cover me. Excuse me. Even the night shall be a light about me. So, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed mine reign; thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So, any in any event, David is saying that God knows everything about him. Nothing is hid. Uh, and uh, this is not just David talking, but, you know, God says there's nothing that is here that shall not come to light. God is familiar. God is aware of everything. God says the, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So only, he says, only, he says I, God, searches the heart. So we know that God knows everything there is to know about the heart. We do not. So, therefore, God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Omnipotent, he is. He is. Um, <clears throat> he's infallible in every area of his, all of his existence. So, God is love. God is mercy. He is peace. He is all of these things. And although we may possess some of these things, like the capacity to have peace, that is communicable. Those that those characteristics that God does share with us. God is pure love. Man is not pure love. Man. Man has a problem with love, but uh, man can love, and in Christ, man does love. And God says you've got to love your neighbors as you love yourself. How else can you love me? How can you say you love me whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you see? So it is not easy uh, walking this life, but that's why we, when we submit to the Spirit of God, we are led by the Spirit of God. And those who are led by the Spirit of God will not walk in the things of this world. So that's where, and so the Holy Spirit is is at work in the believer's life. He is those same characteristics that God the Father and God the Son embody, so the Holy Spirit also embodies. And so tonight we want to just talk about the works of the Spirit. And uh, <clears throat> I have listed here right now, we want to talk about creation, the Holy Spirit's role in creation. We want to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit's role in generating Jesus Christ. 
and we want to talk about the inspiration of the scripture tonight. And I think uh, we will deal extensively if we don't finish tonight on the inspiration of scripture. I do want to, I do want to most earnestly uh, deal with that inspiration of the scriptures because it's so important for the believer uh, in the defense of his faith and his or her faith, walking and understanding. Uh, the truth of the matter of the Word of God. So I thank you all for being here tonight. Good evening, Brother Jerry. Thank you for joining us all tonight. So the works of the Holy Spirit give irrefutable proof of his deity, and that is his divine status as God. But some people might say, and I'm going to get ahead here a little bit, but I want to come back. Uh, anytime we, we, let me just go with the creation here. Let's start with creation. Uh, creation. The, uh, the psalmist in the thirty-third in the thirty-third number of the psalms in the sixth verse, the psalmist, as I read in your hearing just a few moments ago, the the psalmist makes the question raises the question. He says, you know, and he makes a declaration to God, and he's talking to God by the word of the Lord, were the heavens made and all of the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. So the Holy Spirit was the agency through whom, or the end or the person, agency or personal force, through whom the creation of the material universe and of man was effected. In other words, the, everything exists um, because it is God's will that it exists. God said, let there be. And by the very utterance of the word of God, God uttered what was in his heart, he uttered out of his mouth. And when he uttered out of his mouth, like every time, like every time you and I say a word, when we release a word from our lips, there is a part of, there is some of our breath that is released with it. Because we have to breathe again, we know that the word has to be released by the breath from our mouth. So there's a combination at work here. You think of it, then you speak it, but as you speak it, there's a simultaneous releasing of both the word and the breath from your heart. And let me put it to you this way. When you stick a cannonball into a cannon and you fill it with powder, you you, you light it, and then there is the release of a force the wind or the power, the, the force of the power, the explosion of the power produces such a combustion that it, it forces the, the, the only way, the only direction that, that is clear, it forces that cannonball out of that, out of that cannon and, and propels it forward. Well, that's the same thing that you and I do whenever we speak a word. If we every time we take a breath and we release that breath while we're talking, we are pushing words out of our mouth. With the, with the very words that we have thought about in our heart, we push those out. And so, and so the Spirit of God is at work, therefore, overseeing everything. He's like the overseer. He's like the, the foreman. He oversees the, the, the process of all that has been released. All that is contained within the Word of God is released. And the Word of God, we know, is like a seed. And the seed of God possesses life. And so, and it possesses the very thing that God has sent it forth to do. In other words, it has all of the dimensions 
It knows how big it, the, the thing that God has spoken and released from his mouth is supposed to be. It knows what color it's going to be. It knows what kind of type of hair, if any, it's going to have. It knows how uh, tall or how wide or how short or how whatever it is, the color of it, all of that. Everything, every word of God possesses the content of the thing, possesses the thing and the means to effect that thing uh, that is in each word. And that's how the, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in at, because the Holy Spirit is the one that breaks open that and he begins to build and construct. That's why we look to the Holy Spirit as the agent through whom the creation of the, of the natural or the material universe and of man was uh, brought about. So when we think about the universe, <clears throat> we think about the universe, um, we think about that Psalm 33 and verse 6. So earlier in our teaching, we looked at the Hebrew word ruach as the breath of Yahweh or God. So this passage teaches us that all the hosts of heaven, that is, that is the stars and the planets and, and the sun and the moon and all the things that are, that are at, that are ex, uh, ex, what is that is extended above in heaven that is uh, floating around in heaven or stationary in heaven. All of those things are the work of the Spirit of God. All the heavens, hosts of heaven, all the stellar worlds were made by the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 33 and verse 4, we are specifically taught that creation of, of the creation of man is the Holy Spirit's work. Here's what it says. The Spirit of God had made me. Let me go back here. Let me find it here. The Spirit of the Lord for, what did I say, 33 and Job. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Psalm. Let's go to Job. I'm sorry. 33 and 4. That's loving. I'm talking really fast here tonight. <clears throat> I want to be clear. I want you all to be clear. This is Job talking. And Job says, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So we see the, the creative work of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that's so powerful. And sometimes I don't think we realize that just how extensive and how involved the Spirit of the Lord is. But he is, in, he is indeed active in every facet of our existence. And that's why when we come to know him and come to uh, seek him and come to rely on him by the power of Jesus Christ, by the authority of Jesus Christ, by the purity of Christ, uh, because no man is going to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit without first having Jesus Christ. And so we must understand that it is the Spirit that then takes up residence within us, and he is the one that begins to work all manner of works in and through us to bring glory to Jesus Christ and to give honor and majesty to God our Father. So, in considering both Psalm 33, verse 6, and Job, verse 33, chapter 33, verse 4, we understand that the creation of the material world and the impartation of life are attributed to the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So in other passages of Scripture, we are taught that creation was and is, was in and through Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at some of those Scriptures. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for example. Colossians, that's New Testament, chapter 1, verse 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him and unto him. In other words, through me meaning by him and for him. And we, and we see the same thing in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, where we read that God, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, And it's good to walk through the Bible, the Bible uh, and, and really get to get an understanding here <clears throat> where we're told in this that um, God has at the end of these days, and your word, your Bible may spell a little bit, I'll read this one and then I'll read um, uh, from the King James Version. It says, uh, have at the end of these days spoken us, unto us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom, through whom he also, or by whom also, he made the worlds. So that's important to see the work of Christ. But the force behind Christ is the Spirit of God. We must understand that there is no, there is, there is, um, uh, you, you might, we might identify Christ, we might identify God and the Holy Spirit. But God is not a divided God. He's always unified in everything that takes place in the earth. Just like your soul and your body uh, and your spirit are unified in you. And you, you, don't, you don't go anywhere without your body. And every part of you is, is, is at work in doing that thing. Well, we can't, and so I see no difference between uh, us and that, the things that we do and what God does. God is never, ever by himself because, hey, he's God. <laughs> and everything originates with him. So God, God is not um, a man or like a man in any way, but we are men that has been created in the likeness and the image of God. And so there are some things that we can do, but who we are is everything that we are. And what God does by his spirit and God does by himself and by his son. And so everything comes together because of God, not, not in, by man or any other reason or any other way. So we must never forget that when we, when we identify God, the, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, uh, they are, he is one. Moses, Moses says it himself, I believe, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 right around the uh, fifth, fourth or fifth verse, he says, Hear, O Israel, chapter 6, verse 5, it says, and let's see here, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So he's one. He's one. And I, I can't stress it to you 
any more than that. So God is not a divided God. He is a unified individual. He is singleness of person. Uh, though he is uh, identified as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So next we go to um, Psalm 33 and 6, which I've already read, and then we'll read it again. And this is where the word, as well as the Spirit, is mentioned in connection with creation. The word and the Spirit are mentioned in creation. The Spirit of God, that's Job, but it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his, uh, or the spirit of his mouth. Or the, and the, since this is the Old Testament, the ruach uh, of his mouth, the breath, or the ruach of his mouth. Uh, and every time we speak, we expel breath. If that were not the case, some of us that have uh, less than... Uh, uh, a pleasant breath when we would have people when we're talking, we would have people frowning up their noses, putting their hands up to their nose and turning their head. So you know that if the word has to be when you release the word, you release the air is all there is to it. I, I love that analogy though. <clears throat> so uh, so in Psalm thirty three and six the word as well as the spirit is mentioned in connection with creation. It is evident from the comparison of these passages that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active in the, in the creative work. So God the Father works in the Son through his Spirit. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier. And then let's move on to how the Holy Spirit generated Christ. We're talking about the Holy Spirit's work in generating Christ. When we take a look at both Luke and Matthew, we find that they are the only two, only two authors, if you will, of the Gospels, of the, of the four Gospels, who actually give us some insight into what, what took place to bring Jesus Christ into the world. They, both of these record this, and this is by the work of the Spirit. Not everybody will write the same thing as evidenced by going through the book, going through the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy going through the, uh, the historical books from starting with Joshua and Judges and all the way up through, um, uh, it was at Esther, and then, of course, and then the poetical books, starting with Job and ending at the Song of Solomon, and all the way up through the, um, the uh, major prophets from Isaiah to, uh, to Daniel and then from the minor prophets, minor prophets from Hosea all the way to Malachi, uh, even the Gospels and then, of course, the epistles, all of these you know that every person that writes is different. The only person that I could, outside, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, that I noticed that did some writing, did wrote more extensively than the other uh, three, or the other, what is it, uh, was it 12 and uh, 16 or so uh, prophets, and that is Jeremiah. He wrote, he wrote the book of Jeremiah, and he, also, and he also wrote Lamentations. So Jeremiah, if you will, wrote, um, a couple of uh, the uh, the books, uh, the, the prophetic books in the Bible. So, and when we're talking about generating Jesus Christ, uh, we're told that in in that in that uh, excuse me in that first chapter of Luke, chapter thirty one, chapter one verses thirty one through thirty five. If you have that, go to Luke chapter thirty chapter one verses thirty one through thirty five. We will, and we'll see where uh, how Jesus Christ came about. I will say this: 
that we're oftentimes, and I've mentioned this in our teachings before, where we talk about uh, the immaculate conception. When we talk about the immaculate conception, most, if not all of us, unless taught otherwise, believe that we're, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit, how Mary conceived without, without being touched by a man. Well, we, what immaculate conception is, is that Mary is, is taught that it is taught by immaculate conception that Mary herself was sinless. Uh, and that is, there is nothing in the Bible to support that at all. Every man born of a man, every man born into this earth is born with a sin nature. Jesus Christ was born, uh, came about as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon the woman. Therefore, he did not come from a corruptible seed, but from a perfect seed, God. And therefore, he was in. He was. It was. He was in, It was impossible for him to sin. So he was perfect. He had to be perfect and live a human, live a perfect life in order to demonstrate for, to us that it's doable. That we too can walk in, in the newness of life. That we can walk. In righteousness, we we can't do it under our own under our own power because although the word in the Old Testament was was perfect, it was made it was not perfect in human flesh. Therefore, men messed it up. They couldn't they couldn't walk it out. They couldn't live it. Yet, the Holy Spirit is sent by God and is God comes upon the woman and she conceives. And here's, here's how the story goes. Uh, verse 31, Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, the angel tells Mary, you will conceive in your womb. She said, she said well, how in the world is this going to happen since I don't know a man? See, she was just as perplexed as anybody else. But in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, she should have known that, you know, uh, you know, about the uh, the birth of the son coming, a virgin would give birth. She didn't know she would be the virgin. <laughs> My guess is that she knew the scripture. But anyway, and, and then so they're having this conversation. And the uh, angel Gabriel, I believe it was, says to her, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Hallelujah. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his, of the kingdom there, of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the, Spirit will, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Listen, that's Luke. Now let's go to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Because we see in Luke we're told, the Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's how you will conceive uh, this, this child. And then Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But while he thought about these things, 
This is Joseph now. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy who? Spirit. So we see now that it is the Holy Spirit that planted the seed of Christ into the womb of Mary, and Mary's body, when the seed hit Mary's body, much like our seed hitting the body of uh, our spouses and they, they're conceiving, uh, child, that the child begins to take form within the womb of a woman. And over the nine-month process, a process of nine months, the, the, the child grows and forms its fingers and limbs and all of these Every part of the body, the internal organs began to form and shape. And this is how wonderful and how awesome God is. I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does. And then before you know it, in nine months, everything is everything is just released. The child comes forth. <clears throat> uh, there's a saying, he brought, the Holy Spirit brought forth the humanity of Christ into being. It is too often assumed that Mary, the mother of Christ, contributed to contributed his humanity and that the Holy Spirit contributed, contributed his deity. But a moment's reflection would disclose that the deity of Christ was his own from, an, from all eternity. See, he didn't just begin when, he was, when, he, when the Holy Spirit planted him in the womb. No, it was his idea to plant himself that he was there from the beginning. It was time for him to fulfill what God had spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So uh, when God spoke to the serpent in the hearing of, of Mary, uh, I'm sorry, of, of Adam and of Eve about how uh, there he would put enmity between her seed and his seed, and, and, and uh, his seed will bruise his heel, but his seed will, her seed will bruise his head. You know, so we have this war. So Jesus Christ was not created. He's not like us in the sense that uh, we got our, we, our existence came at the moment that we began, we were conceived in the womb of our mothers. That's when our existence became. Uh, but Christ existed before all eternity, before anything else. Why? Because he's God. You can't, you can't create God. No, Jesus Christ is God. And so uh, that's why I say he was from all, from all eternity and therefore was not originated at the time of his birth. He became incarnate when his eternal person took on the human form. The spirit caused the humanity of Christ to originate, and that is his act of generation, bringing it about, making it happen. That's what it's all about. So, no, no, no. Jesus Christ was not created. He simply was and is and always will be. Amen? Now, let's, let's move on to the inspiration of the Scripture. I, I wanted to talk about the inspiration of the Scripture. But I'm going to put a word up here that's going to help you out here. Um, I will say it out loud. I will say it out loud. I promise. 
The word is theopneusis, nusos, and that's spelled T-H-E-O-P-N-E-U-S-O-S. Now, that's a Greek word. It's a compound word. Let me break this compound word down for you. I have a slash here between the O and the P in this word. So the word theo, or theo, however you pronounce it, but I believe it's pronounced theo, and that equals God. Theo is God. And uh, nusos, that's P-N-E-U-S-O-S, is breath, or breathe. In other words, so now let's let's go on here. Let's get started. So, so the Greek word theopneustos is, as I said, a compound word, and then theo meaning God, and neusos, P-N-E-U-S-O-S, meaning breath. So we take these two words together, this compound word, uh, theo and neusos, and we come up with uh, the meaning, which conveys the amnusos, conveys God breathed out. God breathed out. So there again, that breath. See, anytime God releases a word, there's a, there's a breath that ushers that word forth. There's a force, and that force is that breath that ushers that word forth from the vocal cords of the of the Father. I mean, this is God. I'm I'm using I'm using um, human uh, anatomy uh, to 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 expound upon this to illustrate this. But the point is, God. The Bible in Genesis one says, God said, "Let there be." And so, anytime the Lord speaks, there is a there is an expelling of the Word and the Spirit, because God never sends the Word without releasing the Spirit. And, and and so there's life in the word because the spirit gives the word life. Lord have mercy. That's a message right there. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm a little happy here right now. Uh, but you already know this, but I tell you, it's just awesome. So however, there is a difference. Now, now the word inspiration is a form of revelation. And I say anytime, so we're saying the word of God is inspired, right? Inspiration and revelation. Now, there is a difference between the two. Inspiration is what? Who could tell me? We just say that God breathed, right? God breathed it out. God breathed it out. So what we're saying then is, is in, in, inspiration pertains to the way in which revelation is conveyed or how revelation is communicated. And it's communicated uh, by God using men, uh, mankind, uh, men and women, to to speak that word to others, and, and and man speaks as the Spirit of God gives him utterance. So, but God uses man 
in order to convey or to communicate his will. And so, but revelation is the unveiling or the disclosure of something that otherwise could not be known. In other words, unless God initiated contact with man, man would probably, when man would not know God. But because God has initiated the contact with man, God has revealed himself to man. That's what revelation is, about God, who is God. So God reveals himself to men. Is this all, are we clear so far? Am I moving too fast? Okay, great. So the revelation then is the unveiling of something that otherwise could not be known, that is God, God purpose. God reveals himself and he reveals his purpose. And then inspiration, on the other hand, pertains to the way in which that revelation is conveyed. And that word conveyed simply means communicated a method by which God uh, uh, re- exposes that or, or gets that word out there, and that is God speaks through human beings. Now God also reveals himself in other ways, in, in the weather and, and in, the, uh, in, in creation itself. So let's turn to Second Peter, if we can, verse, chapter 1, verse 21. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 21. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Verse 21. <clears throat> and I want to, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably hang out in this neighborhood for a little while, probably for the remainder of our, our lesson on tonight. Although we're seeing getting to know the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, but, and we're saying here that the scripture, inspiration of scripture, and to be inspired with, is, to be, is to be the Holy Spirit moving on, on the hearts of men and overseeing them and their. Rightly recording everything that God has said in His Word. First, Second Timothy, Second Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-one. Who has it? I do. Okay, read it if you would, please. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Wow, thank you. So, Jews and Christians in this verse here, in this verse, Jews and Christians are told that, and anybody who reads it, frankly, are told that prophecy came by the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men against of God spoke or spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And I love it. So this passage highlights two criticalities for me, or two points to me. First, it highlights that prophecy never came by the will of man. Are there examples in the Bible that would support this, this declaration or this proposition? And the answer is yes. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18 through 24. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18 through 24. 1 Samuel. Oh, you got to love it. Chapter 19, verse 18 through 24. <clears throat> you remember when, remember when Saul was told that David was uh, with Samuel and, and was a mishmash or somewhere? Um, let's see here. Naoth. Uh, and so, and so in Ramah, 
and and so um, Saul sent some people to get it. Remember that? And when they got there, they couldn't get it. And so Saul, and so Saul went back. So somebody went back and told Saul, and Saul sent some more folks. They came, and, and the same thing happened to them. And then Saul himself came, and, and then the same thing happened to him. In fact, we're told that he was butt naked, balled up, just prophesying his head off. <laughs> so let's go there real quick. <clears throat> so, so David fled and escaped and came to Samuel in Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he said, and he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul went, and Saul sent messengers to take David. So when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God. Who, who is it we're talking about? The Spirit of who? The Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul. And what did they do? Uh-huh. Did they prophesy before then? No, uh-uh, they couldn't. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they went, prophesied likewise, and Saul sent messengers again the third time, and what happened? They, he also prophesied. So then went he also to Ramah and came to a great well that is in, what? Sekum. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth and in Ramah, and the spirit of who? God was upon him also, and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth. He didn't even get there. He already, the spirit already got there. And got him to Naoth and Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked on that day. And all that night, wherefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets. <laughs> so you don't have to be, your, your, your office, you may not be called to the office of a prophet, but that doesn't mean God won't use you to prophesy. But you can't prophesy uh, unless God, unless you're moved by the Spirit of God to prophesy. And so don't miss it. Don't miss it. So now if we were to turn our attention specifically to verses 20, 21, and 23, we see that what Saul in his effort to arrest and murder David was overcome and involuntarily submitted to the will of the Spirit of God. He could not control it. He come up there. He sent three more, three, three groups of folks there, and he got that it on. So they didn't come back twice. He said, shoot, I'm just going to deal with this myself. And so he thought that he was all of that. But when he got there, he found out that he was no different than the people he sent. God dropped him like a sack of potatoes. And all he could do was just lay this. And, and he didn't talk about everybody else being stripped naked. God humiliated him. God stripped him of everything that he thought he was right there on that ground. Naked he came into this world, and naked he lay right there before God. And let me tell you something. Every one of us one day will stand naked before God. 
And we can't hide anything. In other words, everything will be exposed. Saul was completely exposed. And God knew it. God wanted him to know that he was exposed. Saul was busted. I love it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So they prophesied. Throughout the Old Testament, men spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. These men were what? Did they move? Were they moved by their own selves or were they moved by the Spirit? They had an ulterior motive for going to, to Naoth at Ramah. They came to get, the, uh, to, to get David and bring him back to Saul. They were under orders, the orders of the king. And then finally, the king himself, who was subject to God, had to get up himself and come to try to, to, to carry out the very thing that he sent his folks to do. And even he could not touch David. When God has a purpose for your life, I don't care how much hell you go through. I don't care how many oppositions you face. I don't care how hurt you become from time to time. Listen, God has a purpose for you. When you commit your life to him, that purpose will come to pass. God's word is pregnant with, with completion, with purpose, with completion. And every single thing that you need to accomplish the assignment that God has given you, God will release it through people. There's nothing that will not be held back from you. Just like Brother Jerry, you give your daughter everything she needs for school, so to ensure her success in school. Every parent should. Not every parent does. But that's what God does. We are his children, and he has called us, and he has released us into the earth and when we, have, when we have matured and grown, God releases to us the very resources that we need to accomplish the vision that God has given us. So you can't miss it. Don't miss that. I don't care. So David could not be harmed. He could not be harmed by the Philistines. He could not be harmed by Saul. David could not be harmed by anyone but himself. And he lived a life uh, where no one could touch him. No one. Saul's javelin couldn't touch him. Nothing could touch him. All Saul's men couldn't touch him. Lord, have mercy. And you are the same way, each and every one of you. And anyway, Saul tried. Saul, in his effort to arrest and murder David, was overcome and involuntarily submitted to the will of the Spirit. So specifically, they prophesied. So throughout the Old Testament, men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, from Abraham to Jesus, to the apostles, to today's men and women. Joel 2, 28 and 29. Go to Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. That's in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets. Hosea, Amos, Joel. I mean, Hosea, Joel, Amos is one of those. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hosea. Hosea. Joel, like I said. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. 
What does he say? What does God say through the prophet Job? <clears throat> Here's what he says. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaid in those days will I pour out my spirit. Listen, there, I could go on, but that's, I want to leave that right there. So, it, and it isn't, and isn't this exactly what the Apostle Peter quoted in all who, to all who had gathered in Jerusalem from all the nations on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Job. He said they were laughing and saying these people are drunk. Listen, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. These people ain't had nothing to drink, maybe some water or some milk. But certainly they hadn't had any kind of uh, spirit that would loose their tongues like that. This was the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was his debut to enter into the bodies of every human being that has given their life to Jesus Christ. That is it. The Holy Spirit came and took up residence within him. And when he came and took up that residence within him, Lord, them, Lord began, they began to overflow with his presence. They couldn't contain themselves. You know how it is sometimes you, you get filled. Uh, you, you, when the word touches you and when the spirit touches you in a way, you, you try to fight the tears, you try to hold back, you try not to shake and all of that stuff, but you, but you just can't stop it because it just happens and you just break out in your, and if those of you who speak, because not, not everybody is given the gift of speaking in tongues, but those who do, how it's just, as you just tongue is just loose and you're just going. You're just going and you're going. Well, that's the way, that's the way the day of Pentecost was. And the people could not understand what was going on. And, but then they're drunk. They started making fun. And isn't that what people do when they don't understand something? They make fun of it. They start to tease and joke and make all manner of, of, of wrong uh, interpretations or, or, or um, evaluations of that thing which they cannot understand. So they said they were drunk. And Peter said, no, 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 no. This is from St. Peter's first sermon. Listen, they are not drunk because this is only the, the, the third hour of the day or the night or the nine o'clock. It's not only nine o'clock. Let me go there. So, so we, we, and I'm, I'm sure I'm right. I'm, I'm that I'm confident about. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go there anyway. He says, Peter says here, he says, <clears throat> but these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, which is 9 o'clock in the morning. The Jewish day starts at 6 o'clock a.m. in the morning. This is just the third hour. So it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But he says, what did he say? But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Listen, the prophet Joel prophesied hundreds of years ago. And now it is coming to pass. And this is what Peter said. What God said, remember what God said to Joel way back there in the old days? That's what you're seeing here right now. 
That's what you're seeing right now. This is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the la- in that in that last that in the last day. We are in the last day. Says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your son and your daughter shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall what? Prophesy. He's going to do what Take what took place first. He poured out his what? He poured out his spirit. And after he poured out his spirit, what did they do? They prophesied. Lord have mercy. See, the Spirit of God is the inspiration. He is the He is the the, the person who oversees and orchestrates the, the proper, correct, accurate um, etching or the writing or recordation of what God has said. So that's why men could not make mistakes when they wrote this word. People challenge that. We'll get to that in a minute. There, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just getting excited. I want to talk about this inspiration because we need to understand it. We need to understand it. So, so in these last days, so we sometimes tend to exclude women from those whom God had had purpose to use. But yet, the prophet Joel says, "What on my on your sons and your daughters." On your hand and on your on your hand, your servant and your handmaid. What a handmaid! That's a feminine word for woman or female, and it is the same. Uh, so we have a, we have this tendency to to exclude women, but clearly in the aforementioned passage of Acts, we and and Joel, I might add. We see that God will use whomever he chooses to use, and there is none who can stop it. And so, so many people are saying, man, God didn't make women to preach. God didn't make women to do this. God didn't do women to do this. They just need to be at home. They're just trying to be like men. They're just trying to be this. Listen, every person on this earth was made in the image and likeness of God. From the very beginning, God told them to be fruitful and multiply, replenish, replenish the earth, and take dominion over it. God told them. He didn't tell Adam alone. Adam is the head. Yes, that's true. Adam is the head over his family, over his wife and over his family. But God did not create women to be silent. It is stupid and idiotic. He didn't. He created them equal with us. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, some years ago I would have had a problem with that. I'm the man. I wear the pants and the top. You do what I tell you to do. You know? Yeah, but hey, what can I say? Yeah, I may not want to hear it, but hey, I believe that God is no respecter of person. God will use whomever he chooses to use. So what I like about this passage is that the Holy Spirit came upon those who were in, Jeru- in the Jerusalem upper room, the apostles, who had made their way back, a day's journey, back to Jerusalem for the, for the Passover, for the, for the day of Pentecost. 
uh, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, about there was about a hundred and twenty of them in the upper room in Jerusalem. That's Acts chapter one, verses twelve through fifteen. So there were women there. There's a hundred and twenty people in that room, and when the Spirit came, they began to prophesy. It wasn't limited to that. We're not told anyway that it was limited to just the men. We said, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them. Did it say men or to them? So that's an inclusive. That's all inclusive. That's all whoever was in that upper room, 120 of them, appeared unto them clothing tongues like of as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Some of them, just the men, or did it sit upon each of them, all of them, in other words? And they were all, not some, the men only, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is the inspirer of the Word of God. Listen, I don't know what you've been hearing. I don't care what you've been taught before. This word, I don't, I'm not going to twist it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's why Peter stood up and said, but these guys are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In these last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I, 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 I don't understand I don't, I don't understand. I, I didn't grow up in church. I, I, I honestly, I don't understand. Again, prophecy never came by the will of man. This, however, doesn't mean that there aren't men, even prophets, that will that will not speak without having received instructions to do so directly from God. Or on the contrary, there are those who will prophesy lies. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 20, chapters twenty-seven through twenty-eight. As you and go there with me, Jeremiah chapter twenty-seven and chapter twenty-seven and chapter twenty-eight. I'm going to try to read this as quickly as I can. Jeremiah chapter twenty-seven and chapter twenty-eight, because I want you to see this. And I want you to see the consequences. I want you to see the consequences of those who blatantly lie on God. The children of Israel in, in, in Babylon now, they're, they're, they're in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord. So Jeremiah was right off the bat. Jeremiah received a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, this is what Jeremiah is saying, thus saith the Lord to me, make thee bonds and yokes and put them upon thy neck. Okay, so Jeremiah is doing this. And, and send them to the kings, I'm sorry, make thee bonds and yokes and put them on thy neck. And send them to the king of Edom, and to the king of Moab, and to the king of the Ammonites, and to the king of Tyrus, and to the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers which come to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, king of Judah. 
and command them to say unto their masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say unto your masters. So now God has instructed the man of God to send messengers to these kings that to say to them exactly, exactly the word that God instructed the prophet to say to them that they should say to their masters. And so the over so and so that they would not and I and, and I'm and I'm not taking a, a stretch here. I'm not making a stretch here. I'm not stretching this thing, but I can only imagine that the only reason that they were able to maintain and retain and remember the words is because the Spirit of God was moving on them to speak those words exactly the way that I, uh, Jeremiah instructed them to speak them to their masters. And here's what they said: I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and and have given it unto whom it seemed meet or right, in other words, unto me. And now I have have, given all these lands into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. So what God is saying is, so you had your opportunity to do right when you had your country. When you were in your own country, you had your chance to do right, but you wouldn't listen to it. You kept on living the way you wanted to live, doing what you wanted to do, and you kept pushing off me, pushing me off, and kissing me, and going through all kinds of stuff and saying, forget God and all of that stuff. You treated me with contempt. Now it's my turn. Now you are getting ready to be taken over by my servant. I'm sending somebody to discipline you. I'm going to spank your behind right now. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what God did. And, he, and here's what he said. And all nations, he's not giving them a choice, although they have a choice because man has free will. But God, And this is how rebellious people are. Even though God said something, they'll say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like you know how you used to do when your mama told you not to do something your daddy you did it anyway. You got caught and you got the behind whip. Uh, and all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. Lord have mercy. Don't, don't miss this. They have to serve him. God is telling them every king that does every person, every nation, has to bow down to serve Nebuchadnezzar. Lord have mercy. And it came, and it shall come to pass that the nation and kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hence the yoke that he said up here in this uh, in this uh, second verse. Thus said the Lord to make to me make thee bonds and yokes and put them upon thy neck. And so here he's saying, who does not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword and with the famine and with the testament until I have consumed them by his hand. So there is, you don't have a choice. Your, your, your refusal by refusing, you sign your own death warrant. Listen, when you obey God, when you obey God, we'll, let me get on up here. Let me just keep on going. Therefore, verse 9, therefore, hearken not to your prophets. Don't miss that. 
nor to your diviners, diviners, nor to your dreamers, nor to your enchanters, nor to your sorcerers, which speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. <laughs> to remove you from your land. See, God sends punishment. And God will not just wipe you away. God is sending punishment. And he's telling you, he's sending you punishment, but you need to submit. If you don't submit, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse, listen. For they prophesy unto you a lot to remove you from your land, and that I should drive you out and you should perish. So you have a choice. Listen to them and lose your life and your land. Everything that you hold here, lose it all. You have a choice. Either obey and submit to him and be able to stay where you are and live your life and work your land and do all those things and just be submitted, just be the vassal to this king, or you can just die. And he can take all your land. And he can just take it all and you just be by you just be without and you'd be suffering. But the nation that bring their net under the yoke of the king of Nebuchadnezzar and serve him, those will I let remain still in their own land, saith the Lord. And they shall till it and dwell therein. So you can still plant and grow and eat and live large. It's just that now you are under a king that God has put over you, that will rule over you with, a, with an iron fist. In verse 12, I spoke, I speak also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, bring your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. It's a choice. Live. Serve and live. Why will you die, thou and thy people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. So when you had a choice, you didn't do it. Now, for the young man or the young woman who's going out there who's breaking the law, and now they have this uh, band around their leg, and they got to stay at home. And, they, and, and so every, every move is monitored. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar is. He's like that band around their leg. Every time they they can't break a sweat without him knowing they're moving and doing something. They got nothing to do. And when they get out of line, he knows it. Electronic, there's nothing new under the sun. Why will you die? Let me move on to verse 13, 14. Therefore, hearken on, do not listen unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon. For they prophesy a lie unto you. This is the second time now. For I have not sent them. God is specifically, I didn't send them, saith the Lord. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I might drive you out and that you might perish, you and the prophets that prophesy unto you. <laughs> this is powerful. Also, I speak to the priests. And to all these people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hearken or listen not to the words or, or pay attention to the words of your prophets that prophesy unto you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now shortly be brought again from Babylon 
for they prophesy a lie to you. Hearken not unto them, serve the king of Babylon and live. Wherefore should this city be laid waste? Why in for what what purpose? Why should this city be waste laid away? Listen, there's an opportunity not only to, to remain in the land, but to keep your buildings intact, to keep your grounds intact, to work your grounds and be able to eat. God has and listen, everything is working against them. Not only is Nebuchadnezzar working against them, but God has given the beasts of the field to work against them. So they work for Nebuchadnezzar too. Every creature, every bear, every lion, every tiger, every every everything that can destroy man, that the locusts, the, the frogs, the everything, all the creatures, they work for Nebuchadnezzar. So in other words, you have no way of escaping. You have no way out. Just do what you're told to do. But they're so rebellious. You know, there's some people you can't tell them anything because they're too rebellious to listen. I'm getting worked up here, but that's okay. So, but verse 18, but it is, but if they be prophets and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem go not to Babylon. So not all of them have been taken. But thus saith the Lord of hosts, of concerning the pillars and concerning the sea and concerning the bases and concerning the residue of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon took not, when he carried away the captive, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yea, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem. They shall be carried to Babylon, and they shall, and they, and there they shall be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord, then will I bring them up and restore them to this place. That's that's chapter 27. So that's a lot right there. That's a lot right there. But such a stubborn and a hard-hearted people. And listen, here we go. And we're not even dealing with 29, chapter 29. We're just not even going to go there. Let's go on to 28 real quick. And, and, and because I want you to see the consequences. God states the consequences here. But now he's going to show you a consequence concerning the prophet that lied. And it came to pass in the year, and in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet, which was, in, was, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, he had an audience. He had an audience. He thought he was all of that. And he, you know, and people will willingly receive a lie before they receive the truth. Thus said, thus speaketh the Lord. This one has uh, Zedekiah, I mean, Hananiah said, Thus speaketh the Lord, speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. 
Within two full years, he goes on, will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah, they that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Oh, goodness. Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto him, the prophet to the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Now listen to what he said, okay? So be it. Now, listen to what he said. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesied of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Only when it comes to pass will we know that the Lord has sent him, because it will come to pass. Then Hananiah, not to be outdone, he opened his mouth in front of all those folks, and he said this, and Jeremiah said, listen, and now he's got a little bit of, he got a little more, you know how it is when somebody tries to make you look bad. You think you look bad, you get that attitude and all that, but this is what he's got now. Then Hananiah, the prophet, he got bold then. He took the yoke of Jeremiah's neck over here in that 27th chapter in that second verse. He took the yoke. Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And break it. And Hananiah said, and Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus in the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Didn't say another word. Didn't say another mumbling word. He just went on his way. Let that fool talk. And see, sometimes, see, whenever you encounter a fool, you have to know that if you try to instruct them the right way, all you're going to do is all you're doing is casting your pearls twice to the swine because all they're going to do is turn on. Because when you teach a wise man, they become wiser. But when you teach a fool, you got something on your hands. They won't listen. So Jeremiah went on his way. Verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet. After that, Hananiah, the prophet, had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make therefore them yokes of iron. Because of his lies, he got the people believing him. Then he is the cause of their demise, of their fall. And so, he, instead of them having it easy with, you know, wooden yoke, okay, that's, that's, that's doable, right? I mean, that's doable. That can be broken, which, which Hananiah did. In other words, he's gonna, he said, you can stay in your land, you can till your ground, you can keep your building, live in your house, and do all that stuff. Well, now, 
because they followed Hananiah and, and they didn't did believe Jeremiah, but instead followed the word of Hananiah. God says, now, you broke the, the wooden yoke, but listen, you can't, you can't, I'm, I'm going to make for them yoke of iron. This is what but thou shalt make, you shall make for them yokes of iron. You are causing them problems by your life. You are causing their downfall by your life. You are hurting them by your life. You are going to just, you are going to be the cause of this nation being torn apart. Everything torn apart, and the people are suffering more because you lie. For thus saith the Lord, verse fourteen of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Listen, I told you, I wanted you, I warned you, I gave you an opportunity. I told you to serve Nebuchadnezzar, put your neck down, and let the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar be placed upon you, but you won't do it. You wouldn't do it. So now all these nations are going to suffer because of what one man did. He proper lied. He didn't, he didn't speak for God because he wasn't moved by the spirit of God. He was moved by the spirit of Satan. He was moved by the spirit of jealousy. He was moved by the spirit of ignorance and refusal to admit and submit. That spirit of refusal to submit. He could not submit to authority. And so now, listen to what that they may be, they may, they and they, uh, let me see, all these, it says, I, I have put a yoke of, of iron upon the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, and I have given him the beasts of the field also. So Nebuchadnezzar got him an army. He's got, he's got, he's got an army of beasts, and he's got an army of men. He's got a nation under him already, and he's got all of this. If you try to run to the woods, the beasts are going to get you. You try to hide on the ground, and the canals are going to get you. Lord have mercy. Then says the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, like you said, but thou make this people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus said the Lord, behold, I will cast thee off from off the face of the earth this year. Thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. And so Hananiah, the prophet, died the same year in the seventh month. God did not send him to prophesy. There are some who will go out and they will prophesy, telling a lie on God. And that's not what God sent them to do. So, so, uh, so as you can see, it is better to obey God than to fabricate a lie and speak it in the name of God. As preachers, teachers, servants of the one true God, we must always be on our guard against the deceitful ways of Satan who make who make that which which seemed to be true spoken in the name of the Lord. Finally, but holy men is the second part of it. The first part is that men do say things, but now the second part is that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
in each of the scriptures we've looked at, we are we clearly see that men prophesied when they were so moved by the Holy Spirit. chapter. 
There's that pushback. So there may be somebody here on the phone that uh, is in need of prayer. We're, we're here to pray for you. There may be some that don't know Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of their sin. I'm here to say that Jesus Christ is ready right now to give you eternal life. Um, there may be one who had a relationship with God, but them now fell out of relationship with them. I'm here to let you know that God is ready right now to give to, to call you back to him because he's married to the backslider. So come on back to him. Don't stay out there. Don't stay, don't stay separated from them simply because you think he won't receive you back. He will receive you. There's nothing that you have done that is so great that God is not greater in his forgiveness and greater in his love for you still, whoever you are. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you become a part of Jesus Christ Ministries Global. If you're in this area, join us. If not, you're welcome to join us um, by way of on Sunday mornings at uh, about 11, 10. Uh, when we minister in the Word, by the same number that you're calling in right now on, you may join us in person at 6860 Crane Highway in the Plate of Maryland, 20646 or the Holiday Inn Express. We'd love to have you join us there. The Word of God is going to come forth. We'd love to have you join us, whoever you are. I'm just here about teaching the Word of God. I'm just here about preaching the Word of God. I want the Word of God as part of our vision, the vision that God has called us to, is to be a ministry that develops global ministries that preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation to the world with sermons and teachings relevant to the period, culture, and people. That's what we are about. We're not about self. We're not about, you know, anything else but the building of the kingdom of God in this earth. We have a calling on our life to do this work. It is a global calling. It is a huge undertaking. It is a calling that only God can manifest. So we just pray that you will join us uh, on, on Sundays. And, of course, we look forward to you joining us again on next Thursday as we continue our teachings on getting to know the Holy Spirit. Any, are there any needs? Is there anyone on the call tonight that is standing in need of prayer? Amen. Well, I, I know my sister-in-law is on there because she, she read. I appreciate that. So I'll definitely continue keeping her in prayer uh, as we pray for all of our family and, and members of this ministry for their success and their protection and their health and well-being. So um, I'm going to go ahead and you guys can continue communicating over the uh, over the talk show, um, typing and what have you. But I'm going to go ahead and then uh, dismiss. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I pray God's blessing upon you that it will keep you a guide you in all things. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes, number three, Pastor sees your request. Yes, you can pray for me for help and ministry. Okay. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that when you, those whom you have called, you have equipped, 
you have equipped, you will send, and those whom you send will speak the word of God. And those who speak the word of God by the Spirit of God will be elevated, Lord God, will be shown to be from you. Use uh, guest number three, Lord God, to do a great and mighty work in his life. Use Tom in a way, Lord God, that no one can deny that he is who he is and that you have sent him. Every, every, every stumbling block, every wall, every, every form of hindrance, every form of rejection, every form of doubt, and every form of confusion that the enemy may try to throw up against him, Lord God, we cast it down now that he will stand sure-footed as the hind, Lord God, you have given him the high speech, Lord God, that make him to stand upon his high places, that he may be able to go where no one, where the simple person cannot go and do what God, you have called him to. Let your full head of protection be around his home, around his family. Let your full armor protection be upon him, Lord God, from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, that the word of God minister to him in a powerful way. And I thank you, God, for using this young man to do a great and mighty work for the building of your kingdom in the name of Jesus. And for those who are here tonight, Lord God, that stand in need of prayer because they are hurting, Lord God, because they're, they're physically hurting or emotionally hurting, God, I speak comfort and I speak healing in their bodies right now. The blood of Jesus heals them. In Jesus' name we pray. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Lord, um, give Tom, Lord God, a, a special word for the youth. Uh, use him, Lord God, to do a great and mighty work, Lord God. Speak to the youth through him, Lord God, and let them know, Lord God, that when they hear that word, that this is a word of truth from Tom and not from someone, not, not from just someone speaking a word on their own. I thank you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we have uh, about three minutes to, to, to vamoose. So, okay. Uh-huh. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We love you guys. God bless you. All right, thank you. Okay, signing off. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you, sis. Thank you. Love you, too. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.